Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name's Aaron and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy James. His voice sounds like this. Hello there. This week we're looking at uh, the 1986 movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off starring Matthew Broderick. This is off the back of last week where I took on the Goonies and I wanted to go back to the 80s and do a play-by-play and everyone's favourite childhood 80s movie, The Goonies, and an action-adventure looking for lost gold, and certainly a story of... Uh, or, coming of age, or coming, coming of together, age, yeah. you know, a group of friends, all all diverse and got their own special talents, finding the penis. Finding the penis, <laughs> one-eyed <laughs> Willie's treasure. Finding that penis treasure. This week, James decided Ferris Bueller's Day Off was the film he wanted to tackle. Yeah. Regret, yeah, <laughs> regretted it. <laughs> I know I didn't like Ferris Bueller, and I thought, do you know what? I'd never seen the Goonies before. Isn't it fair to have a fair crack at things? And I, I don't like Matthew Broderick for personal reasons. Mm. I think he's an asshole. Let's address that early on. Let's yeah. address that you've been, you've been no, uh, you've not, you've not shied away no, from your away. hatred of uh, Inspector Gadget over the years. I did, I've got an Inspector Gadget joke, and <laughs> you right, you know, and 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 I think that's uh, that's rooted in in. You know the fact that he, he was yes. involved in a hit and run in Ireland, in Ireland where he's vacationing. The and person died, and then two he, people died, and then he left the country, and he's maybe not, yeah, faced the time. He got. He says he didn't remember, and he got a hundred pound fine. Yeah, that's that's it for for dangerous driving and killing two people. So now. I've got. But then let, let's be honest. In this film, he's not the only one. Jeffrey Jones is uh, went to jail for for heinous crimes, and he, mm. he plays a teacher, and these heinous crimes are related. So I'm going to ignore. We're not going to ignore it. We're going to celebrate the art. We're going to celebrate the film. It's yeah. John Hughes. I love John Hughes. 16 Candles. The Breakfast Club is obviously a big one. Home Alone. Uncle Buck. You need to watch Uncle Buck. If you haven't watched Uncle Buck, you've, you've sad. Your childhood's dead and you've got no soul. And the fact that Thanksgiving's just been passed as well. Trains, planes and automobiles. Trains, planes When was the last time you saw it? If you haven't seen it for a while, go back, revisit it. John Hughes is magical <laughs> and is a blueprint for so many movies we get nowadays. Uh, you know, you've really got to look at... The, the most recent incarnation of Spider-Man, which was laced in John Hughes. Yes. Uh, you know, um, uh, scenery and imagery. So, so it, it really is up. masterful. Jeffrey Jones, I think you're right. I mean, I love films like Beetlejuice. I was going to say he's a big staple of... Yeah. Um, oh, but, I can't remember his name. <laughs> but, you know, and it was, what, what we need to do is we need to respect or look at the work, not the person. Yes. So we say this about whenever, for example, Kevin Spacey's mentioned... He who shall not be named. He who shall not be named. <laughs> formerly known as Redacted. Um, you know, when we look at a movie where Kevin Spacey is in, we address the fact that we're looking at the art, not the person. Because when it comes to a film, there's it's not just Jeffrey Jones, it's not Matthew Broderick. There's writers, directors, even Page Boys. You know, I, I like the idea of when you're sat in an audience and the credits roll, every one of those people has has put something into that film. So to dis- disbar a film or just hate it naturally on, on instant reaction based on two names, which comes into like, what, what, less than 1% of the people who worked on that film is unfair. Mm. Now, if a film comes out and every 100% of the people involved in that film are terrorists, then we'll shit on it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and I, I not I, like an ISIS video. This happens to me. <laughs> so, but we, we, we record on a Sunday night. Yes. And quite often we put an episode out on the Monday morning following. So there's very little time to go back, edit, listen, produce. Shocking. I know. You're listening to this podcast going, what? They don't edit. They don't They well, don't cut things out. With an audio gremlin. We don't. No. <laughs> we, there's very little production in it nowadays because we're busy. We've got lives. We've got kids. We've got fam- families and homes and stuff like that. We get together, a bit of boys chat. We have a couple of Dr. Peppers. Yes, we do. And we talk about movies and, and films. And mostly a cup of tea. But there is times when, on the Monday morning, when the episode goes out, I think, just taking an example, Alan Rook, I, I, I get worried that I go, oh, I love Alan Rook. And I don't, 
maybe know of a hooray, uh, like a, a heinous story or when scandal that he's involved like in. Like Alan when he kidnapped that nun and ate it. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, <laughs> and Matthew Broderick or Jeffrey Jones are all examples. Jeffrey Jones though, let's be honest, that sounds like a cult leader or a serial killer. Mm. Yeah. And um, it's, it's not good, is it? No. <laughs> so, but there is there is a, there is a point where quite often, quite frequently on a on a Monday morning when an episode's out, and you know you get that little <laughs> notification that people are downloading it. I think, fuck, I really hope I didn't praise someone who's well, like we, a nonce. Well, that's <laughs> for the, the biggest example being we were doing an episode and we were like, what do we think what underrated classics? And my number one was Hannibal's favorite. Uh, Hollywood's favourite cannibal that I Army had to change on the way to your house. Yeah. <laughs> so Army Hammer was a sex offending cannibal. <laughs> it was like, oh, and he was my number one choice. <laughs> <For> James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah. uh, so we're celebrating the film. And so also, good. it's been ages. I don't, we have, I think it might be the first John Hughes. And we talk about Home Alone, we talk about Home Alone, especially Christmas coming up. We're, we're huge fans yeah. of John Hughes. John Hughes defines a generation. Never forget that John Hughes came back for Home Alone 3. That's a John Hughes film. And no, yeah, no doubt. No, yeah, no doubt we will be doing things like Breakfast Club over the coming uh, months and and other John Hughes movies. Playing Strains on Wheels is long overdue. Yes. And we could do Due Date at the same time, which is basically the same film. So always a worry when you get to John Hughes, though, that you just start reminiscing about your favourite things. You don't actually talk about the film. Yeah. Like, like the Breakfast Club, like you just... The dancing scene, right? You don't much to say, it's a dancing scene, however. Which is Sean Penn. You think, fucking hell, in years to come, he's going to give his Oscar to Zelensky. <laughs> <laughs> and say no Zelensky I'm coming back for it I'm giving you this on loan <laughs> still, it's still the, weird isn't it it's of all the world of all the news I still don't get it it's like this will inspire them to win I swear to God Zelensky best melt that down and make a bullet out of it take, take Putin out with a golden <laughs> take bullet take Putin out with it and Penn's like where's my Oscar for the, for the Putin's head <laughs> get it back <laughs> <laughs> it's just one Ben courageously marches on Moscow to fish out his Oscar from his corpse. Mate, film writes itself. It does. That's but it. <laughs> I um yeah, I, I I really like John Hughes. I think I, we'll just do the filmography of John Hughes, so then we can splurge and, yeah. and go off on tangents rather than particularly any particular movie. Um but yeah, I mean, you confessed last week to not seeing the Goonies. Yeah, no, and getting Goonies. into your mid-30s without seeing the Goonies. It's a film that just slipped you by. And you had a very, very interesting perspective of a film that is otherwise ingrained in people's childhoods or, or um, and even young audiences still find the Goonies, still references. It is a cool classic. Stranger Things, you know, has taken so much liberties from films like uh, the Goonies, which paved the way from the 80s. I'll be honest, I don't think I'd actually ever really watched Ferris Bueller's all the way through. I don't day off. Yeah. I, I know I'd seen it and I could recite, quote, and comment I was watching it this week thinking, I don't think I've ever actually sat down. I've caught like bits of it and I've caught it there and it's been on ITV or it's been on this. I don't think I've watched it from start to finish because I couldn't really name any Matthew Broderick movies that I'm fondly remember thinking that I've spent this much time. <laughs> Matthew Broderick has that thing of like, okay, Inspector Gadget. Yes. And then the whole Sarah Jessica Parker thing. Yes. And then you watch movies <laughs> like- his marriage. Yeah. yeah. And then you watch things like- <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And then you watch movies like Manchester by the Sea, which I you know, really found that film quite heartbreaking. And Casey yeah. Affleck obviously won the Oscar. And then literally like 10 minutes before the end, you're like, Matthew fucking Broderick's in this film. Yeah. For a really weird scene. I always thought Matthew Broderick was a bit overrated. Never really liked him. Ferris Bueller, though, the character, I think is more He's, iconic than the film. Yeah. Ferris Bueller is, and also kind of like the groundbreaking. So go back to Deadpool, the the first Deadpool. At the end, it, it mirrors this film. The fourth wall breaking call. Cool. He's respected and loved by everyone. He's the kid that everyone wants to be. He's the annoyance of the... He's basically, mate, I'm going to tell you now, 
He's Maverick before he went to air pilot school. That's true. That is true. He is basically, if this is set a few years later when he's got a job, he's getting shrunk into a small, tiny thing and being injected into Martin Short's ass. This is this is literally the genesis of the Maverick. Let's see the Maverick in high school. Let's see what he's like. Why are they cheeky and just like punching mm. out people and having sex with Meg Ryan? This is why. Let's yeah. see let's see them growing well, up. Not the alpha male. He's yeah. the but he's the the guy that gets it done. Mm. He's the winner. Well, I would go with highly slappable face. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to come from this at a standpoint that he's not, I'm going to tell you now, mate, might not be neutral. There might be a slight skiff to how I feel about so, Ferris Bueller and his day off. So, okay, just while we're on the Matthew Broderick tangent then. Yes. Lion King, obviously, Simba. Yeah, yeah, Say, yeah. Saying that, I can't remember any of his work. Godzilla, how did I forget Godzilla? Mate. Is he gone to, is he, right, that's the one film I would definitely do a play-by-play, knowing that Bathory Broderick's in it. Are we, <laughs> Without any, like, worries. Oh, I don't know. Did we establish we're a fan of Inspector Gadget? No. Elec- election. I've seen it. I, I do like parts of Election, despite Broderick. What was the Christmas film, Deck the Halls? Who was he in with that? Was it Dan Aykroyd? No, that was, isn't, I don't know. Tim Allen, though. No, it's not Tim. Oh, Allen. that's Christmas with the Cranks. I'm thinking with Tanak. With Dan that's Alcroyd, the Tim Allen one. With Dan Aykroyd is the is the neighbour oh, who Christmas says the who says that they have to celebrate Christmas. It's Danny like, DeVito. Like some sort of it's Christmas someone, Nazi. It's Danny DeVito, isn't it? It's, I know it was another thespian actor. <laughs> um, what else do we know from first Bueller? Obviously, um, War Glory. Games. Oh, War, yeah, Glory's good. But I'll be honest, War Games is the only film of Matthew Broderick's where I actually think he's you know spoilers. But I think he's genuinely good. I was like, I've really war games. I can understand why a kid might want to, you know, start a nuclear thermal war. Would you like to play you, a game? You've often talked about war games. Fun, I do right? like war games. I do like war games. Just to see how it was. I feel like I'm missing an absolute obvious. Well, he did the remake of the producers as well. But, yes, but he me, did. But that me, was that's, Will Ferrell. In I was just say Will Ferrell was the funny Nathan part Lane, of me. wasn't it? Yeah. Did then, he come back? Did he come back for um, Inspector Gadget 2? No, was, was there a sequel? There was a sequel. I don't know if he was in it. You know who the villain is who plays the claw? Rupert Everett. Rupert Everett was in the original one, yeah. <laughs> don't quiz me on Rupert no, Everett. Just mean, just mean, do you remember in the kind you never saw who the claw was and he yeah, had that yeah. very menacing voice? And yeah, then, yeah, it, it, right, yeah. And then the action remake turned up in Rupert Everett straight away. Yeah. <laughs> so you were like, oh. Cable guy. Of course, the cable guy. Oh, I, do, I do actually quite like Cable Guy. Oh, okay. There's a few films that I don't mind Matthew Broderick in, but he's a person's come back. Well, you've come but, a long way. You've grown in the I have last. Grown. Uh, what are we on? We're on uh, eleven minutes. Eleven minutes. You've come a long way in eleven minutes, James. Are you ready? I've, I've literally known you for years and not seen any progression. And in eleven <laughs> minutes, <laughs> prick. <laughs> but no, just going into it. I've, I wanted to confess it, like you last week. I went to the Ferris Bueller this week, very open-minded because I couldn't, I knew the film. I knew what was going to happen. I knew set scenes. I knew characters, but I couldn't remember seeing it in its entirety to enjoy it as a movie needs to be in its entirety. There's, so this is a weird thing. I genuinely think how, if you like this film, it comes down to when you watched it. So if you watched it in its entirety when you were a youth and you were coming of age and you wanted to be, mm. Ferris Bueller's loved by everyone, except for those who actually know him. <laughs> Like his sister, his sister fucking hates him. Jennifer Grey. Jennifer Grey, but who he dated. They dated yeah, after this movie. It was yeah, weird, innit? Yeah. And then she went on the, then then she had a bit of Swayze. Yeah. Dirty Dancing in Red so, Dawn, so, weren't they? So you just need a Swayze, mate. Everyone needs a bit of Swayze. Everyone needs a bit of Swayze. I like Jennifer Grey. I, I like her, particularly in the, jumping ahead, the opening scene of this movie, where she's like, I, I see through this fucker. Yeah. <laughs> 
Right, so this was directed and written by John Hughes, who I love a bit of John Hughes. Mm. Smother Me Up, starring Matthew Broderick, Mira Sara, Alan Rock, Jeffrey Jones. We have got Paramount Pictures, the coming of age story, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And as Aaron's alluded to, we haven't seen it. It's been a while. As a kid, I didn't really like it. But times have changed. Really, six days, wasn't it? I always find like these 80s films you could. Mm. Nowadays, it takes weeks. It was. I think it was literally off, off, a, off a... It was just, I want to make a movie about a kid scouring off school for a day. This is going to sound really weird as well. So if you see some of the actors that were that they wanted to get in it. So I remember seeing Michael J. Fox. I don't think he'd be smarmy enough to get away with Ferris Bueller because part of Ferris Bueller's charm mm. is that you almost kind of want to hate him because you're jealous of his existence. And I feel like if it was Michael J. Fox, especially if you had a similar turn like he does as Marty, we like Marty. We're never against Marty. But with Ferris Bueller, his charm is the kind of reason why we don't, like, you fucker, I mm. want your life. As if I don't want to be messaged, married to Terminator, that's good, fucker, because, you know, I've seen her. <laughs> Do you know what I caught on, the, caught on the Channel 4 today? Failure to launch. Who thought that was a good idea? Failure to launch, uh, who, yeah. who, who thought? Who sat around going, you know, Matthew McConaughey, get, 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 get him together with Sarah Jessica Barker, make a rom-com about it when they both look like they're in their early 60s. I know. Matthew McConaughey is really weird, isn't it? Some of his older films, when he's got like like really noodly hair and then thin glasses. Yeah. Like there was that one we did with Jennifer Lopez. Wedding planner or wedding something. Planner. Is it that yeah, one? yeah Is she's, that it? she's planning his, his wedding. wedding. Yeah. And then she steals him. <laughs> Fucking great. Shit, her job, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> like, she's doing herself out of work. <laughs> right, yeah. Anyway, all right, are you ready? Did she have to pay it? Because doesn't that then make that a bit weird? Or did, just, does he go out with it, but then sue her? <laughs> mm. <laughs> the film opens as we hear two parents voice concern that their son is ill. As you would. And he does look dead, I'll be fair. <laughs> It's odd they voice concern over someone they quite clearly hate. I mean, they named him Ferris. <laughs> so, maybe the most famous Ferris I know. <laughs> what about the wheel? <laughs> I take it back. I take it back, James. You're right. Ferris complains of being clammy and seeing spots, which concerns his parents even more. But our hero, Jenny, Ferris's sister, sees through this sham and accuses him of faking it. Which he is. Mm. Genie immediately, mate. So the sisters, they're brother and sister. And what I always found about with this, and I wonder if you'll agree with me, it would make more sense if they were step-siblings. Yeah. Because, because yeah, I like my sister. I see you, you, you've got family. I assume you like them. It's really weird that your natural, your natural mm. reaction is, no, you lying prick, I hate you. So if they were step-sisters, uh, siblings, that mm. would have made more sense to me. But then, it was the 80s, people didn't get divorced. <laughs> no one accepted it. You just had to live with it. Um, laying it on thick, pretending to pass out and faking blindness, our hero, everyone, Ferris Bueller. Jenny leaves, Jeannie, sorry, leaves the room telling everyone she wants out of this family at two minutes 23, me too. <laughs> Hits you early, mate. Hits you early. He lays it on thicker than Aaron does with his double extra thick mayo and his parents leave worried that their son <laughs> is near death. What I love about it, they still leave. <laughs> They're still like, oh, he's, he's really bad. He's seeing spots. He's going blind. Fuck him. But lol, it's only an epic troll from cinema's greatest arsehole. <laughs> Did you see that? I said there might be a slight slap. <laughs> he breaks the fourth wall, calling his parents chumps. We look around and see his room, posters everywhere, a massive sound system, cool merchandise, and even his own TV. And if you take into account inflation, which I did, that television would have cost now about $800. Wow. He does have it all, doesn't he? That that room. That, that's that, that's an eighties. It's an eighties room. room. 
and he's breaking the fourth wall. He's instantly charming, cool. Mm. He's like, oh, get oh, so away with it. He's basically a flea bag. He's a prick is what he is. He's, he's got everything he wants and still wants more. We even see MTV. Back when MTV did music, mate. Mm. So not like they didn't see anyone... They didn't see anyone pimping a rat. I used to love I, I, pimping a rat. <laughs> I just realised I said that, but didn't he get done for someone as well? Old Westwood. <laughs> Westwood has done, yeah. Does anything survive? Although, in the, if it, assuming it was the American pimp my ride, it would have been, been Ice Cube. And, oh, and, and he's fine. And I think he's fine, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Like, when you see that MTV logo, that, that ultimately dates it as well. Yes. Like, they're so cool, the old when graphics MTV on MTV. Was, was cool. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Ferris watches TV and breaks the fourth wall again, saying that this is one of his worst performances. Trust me, it's not. We've still got Inspector Gadget to come. <laughs> <laughs> so he's basically saying he's got away with it again. Again, he has done this. Mm. Also, fraud has a prison term between two to seven years. <laughs> Just telling it. <laughs> also, attention seekers who are not really ill can cost the NHS up to £1.7 million a year. Really riding at home, aren't you? How much you don't like Matthew Broderick. Also, while on this rant, faking illness can have a serious knock-on effect. Work or school colleagues may need to pick up extra work that they weren't prepared for. Productivity can drop, putting potential businesses in danger. The undue stress of worrying about a friend, the psychological elements are uncalculatable. But he doesn't care because this is his ninth time. I uh, I didn't read into it that much when I was watching it. <laughs> He's a prick. Did you ever scout school when you was a kid? Not, not nine days. No, I, not nine times. I, I, I'll be honest, I was really late to skip his call. I did it in my first year of sixth form, so I go around a friend's house and drink beer. <laughs> I think I had my first cigarette. <laughs> by the time, well. time you're sixth form, they don't care. I know. But that's my rebel came. Mm. My rebel face came when it was already accepted. What I like about this bit as well is it's like John Hughes is like, I don't think the audience is going to believe that he didn't go to school. Bit of mind that he's broke the fourth wall yeah. and he's in his bedroom. <laughs> we cut to a classroom with an empty chair. <laughs> Bueller. So Bueller. that's really cool. That actor, basically... Ben, ben Stein. Ben Stein um, ad-libbed all his lines. He, <laughs> he was told that they needed some B-roll, just some filler. So he gives a speech about the economic situation. Yeah. And they recorded that and everyone cheered. He went, oh, did you all learn something? He went, no, that was the most boring thing we've ever heard. That's exactly what we wanted. I like how he was in the mask as well. He was in the mask with the same voice. And then they were like, we re- when they did the son of the mask, mm. seven years later, they were like, we, we need a returning character. We need at least one. <laughs> <laughs> It's his eighth day this semester. So it's his sixth day. So sorry, it's the eighth day that he's filled up this sickness. I imagine he's falling behind. It was his ninth. Yeah, I think he was. And And the school thicko, if you will. But it gets worse. Now he tells others how to defraud the local sewer system. So he's telling us now, breaking the fourth wall to get clammy hands, phony fever, take fake a stomach cramp and moaning. He explains while in the shower with a dumb mohawk that he doesn't, he does have a test today on European socialism, but asks, what's the point? Well, I'll tell you the point, Ferris. The Cold War isn't over yet, you absolute burke. Know thy enemy, or maybe learn about another culture. Nah, fuck education. It's time to piss about you, utter pleb. I mean, when I did Goonies last week, I just talked about how one-eyed Willie sounded like a penis. You've, you've got into this. Enter Cameron. Mm. who apparently lives in Batman's forest retreat. He's mad, isn't it? I'll tell you what. With his cars on a second level, inexplicably. Alan's parents making some cheddar. (laughs) He's laying in bed surrounded by electricity. Those sort of things that you press and they make your hair go on end. Mm. He's got a lot of them. Mm. He needs them. And a shit ton of pills. When criminal... Oh, when the local criminal rings up to talk. I was like, I'm going to talk about I'm going to talk about Ferris Bueller. Turns out that Cameron's parents aren't quite as close as Ferris is to his, with Cameron's parents currently abroad, 
10 to 15 years child endangerment, mm. just telling you. <laughs> but Cameron doesn't want to play sickness because he actually is sick. But Ferris tells him it's all in his head, completely ignoring the psychological issues. Cameron declines, but fuck you, Ferris wants to go out and he demands that Cameron picks him up. Then hounds him. Hounds him, he's like, no, I'm too old. He's like, rings him up because, you know, you need this. Give me your car. <laughs> He, he does. He does like to. What do they call it? Peer pressure. He's the king he, of peer he's pressure. He's a king of peer pressure. Alan Rook as well is. I think most people know him from older age than yes. younger. I, I do. He's, in my head, I like to connect movies, and I like to think Alan Rook's Cameron Frey in this grew up to be the principal in the Happening. You know that what what movie? Oh, yeah. So he, he is. What? He is what? in that. Uh-huh. Yeah. What? What? Flowers. Uh-huh. The trees. The coming after us. Yeah, I like to think that's the same character. My favourite thing about the happening is that the shock ending is the shock beginning. When you're told it's the trees, and you as an audience go, now that's bullshit. And then the shock ending is, oh no, it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. So, so far, let's point out, <clears throat> Cameron's got issues. Mm. Vers Bueller's got the parents that love him, but uses that. But he is, he's, he's a cool guy. And it is, impli- it is then told that it's over. The year is over. In America, they've all got, they've all passed their tests. I don't understand how he's got another test, but he isn't actually missing anything. This is like the bit where you piss about. Yeah. You Before graduation, you still have to go to school. A lot of people don't, apparently. Mm. I, I don't, don't know. know. That doesn't make know. any sense to me because when we have exams, we don't go to school anymore, do we? Mm. Well, unless it's changed, I haven't done an exam for like 20 years. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I've not been to school for a long time. But yeah. exactly. um, Ed Rooney calls up Ferris's mother and gets told that Ferris is sick and that she forgot to ring the school and let them know. Ed Rooney being the principal, Jeffrey Jones. So Ed, whose job it is to look after student well-being, also lists his concerns about Ferris' attendance, which is news to his mother. Ed, being the professional he is, uses his 80s computer mm. to tell her more details. But before his very eyes, he sees the numbers change. Ooh, bit of hacking, bit of war games, mate. Cut to everyone's favourite little bag of dicks who has hacked the school and changed the absence days. He turns to the computer and moans that he asked for a car and got this instead. Wonder how he planned to hack the school with a Vauxhall car. <laughs> with a Nissan Sunny. <laughs> with a Nissan Sunny. Also, hacking a computer can earn you anything from community service to 20 years in jail. Oh, <laughs> see. Predates hacking though, right? It no, does. Surely. No. No, yeah, come on, mate. I, these, I fucking went through laws to do this walkthrough. <laughs> oh, by the way, I should say, these are all UK laws. Oh. Everyone at school is under the impression Ferris is on the verge of death with other kids asking Jenny how, how he is, which infuriates her. Ed is also angry as characters like Ferris give good kids bad ideas, mm. but his assistants list all the school groups that adore him using some pretty on PC language. <laughs> yeah. Even calling him a righteous dude. So that's a famous line. Everyone likes him a righteous dude. So, Jenny, stuck in the shadow. Ed, the consummate professional, he doesn't like the rebels that get away with it. He wants to smash them down. <laughs> the character. <laughs> First builder wants to piss about. He's done with school. He thinks he's blowing. Wasn't that you, though? Wasn't that you? Wasn't you in, wasn't you in Anarchist, James? Did no. you want to... I love the, the rules. I wish there was more. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just want a day off when you were younger? Do you not, do you not look at me and just think he loved the rules a little bit? My, my, my rebellion now is when I go like one mile over the speed limit, but then but then quickly put the limit back on. I'm just like, no, no, can't risk it. I like to think for fun, you like to take your um, Britannia encyclopedias and every now and again swap M and N round. No. no it's anarchy, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. sometimes when I'm alone, 
put the milk in first. Oh, God. No. No, I don't do that, obviously. I'm the monster. Ferris Bueller strikes me as the sort of person that wouldn't. Now, Ed has no choice but to bring this criminal down. Meanwhile, another student, Sloane, is taken out of class and is told that her grandma is dead. Miss Sarah. So this is very bad news. I don't know if you, that's, that's never happened to me and I can't imagine anything worse. Being in school, being, told, being brought out again, you know, the lovely school nurse hugs you and basically tells you mm. your, your grandma's passed. So very bad news for Sloane. But Ed, he's suspicious, especially when he discovers that Sloane is Ferris's girlfriend. Oh. But even Ferris wouldn't stoop to such low things of moral fibre. Of course he would. <laughs> he has Cameron pretend to be Sloane's father and gets her out of school. Our hero, everyone. Ferris decides to now steal Cameron's father's pride and joy, a red Ferrari. I, he's got, it's a car. I don't know cars. It's red. So Ferris Bueller so far faked a death. Mm. Truancy. Hacking. So we're quite early on. I don't know how you feel. But we know that Cameron's arrived, and Cameron, I'll be honest, that's a fun scene. So Ed, he's giving, Ed's talking to what he believes is Ferris Bueller putting on Sloane's father's voice. Mm. But then Ferris Bueller rings up on a separate line. The shit have hitteth the fan. <laughs> it turns out it's Alan Rock doing a very good voice. And I, I, I fooled me because I thought it sounded like Matthew Roderick putting on a voice. So I, inception, mate. It's weird, isn't it? Because like, what's the what ground do you stand on where you say that's unacceptable in a movie? When given half the shit that happens in movies, yeah. you you won't bat an eyelid on. And you watch a particular movie with certain glasses on if you don't like certain actors or directors or whatever it is. I think I've been quite partial. It is weird though, isn't it? That nowadays that would not pass in a movie. It's like to get someone out of school, you fake like someone's death yeah. to do it. <laughs> Uh, but also, Mia Sarrow, just go back to her, if you're looking at her career, the year prior to this film, she did Legend with uh, Tom Cruise and Tim Curry. No. That must have been an experience. And then we're like, what are you doing next? Oh, I'm just doing this Ferris Bueller's Day Off movie. But imagine when fucking in the 90s when you're like, I'm doing Time Cop, bitch. Yeah, I was going to say, I imagine Tim Curry laughed so hard his horns fell off. She's also married to Sean Connery's son, which makes her father-in-law James Bond. That's, that's awesome, isn't it? That is pretty awesome. Mm. What do you talk about though? It's like, oh my God, how was being James Bond? Or the criminal who wasn't, the criminal who trapped Catherine Zeta-Jones in the hit film Entrapment. <laughs> <laughs> do you see, see League of Gentlemen? No, no one did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pissed off with you with that film. Right, come on then, Ferris Bueller. Honestly, do you, are you attracted to this? Are you attracted to this old man, would you? No. Um, I wouldn't idolise him. I don't see him as a role model. <clears throat> but you can understand where he's coming from. Yeah, I mean... You know, the TV shows and films aimed at young teens are always built on the anarchist, the anti-hero. Yeah. You know, the uh, the the underdog who... Uh, and everyone wants popularity at school, don't they? You know, no one wants to be put in a box of, you're the jock or you're the geek or you're the whatever. You know, like everyone wants to be that character of being able to move through the group seamlessly. So I don't think this is actually Ferris Bueller's day. <clears throat> it's like the old women love him, men want to be him. So it's something I will come on towards the end, I guess. But um, anyway, Big so... Pardon. Not in my tail, you are. I will. Do what I want. <laughs> First people told me I could do anything I want and get away with it. <laughs> right. So there's a big scene here where Cameron begs, begs and pleads, don't take this car. Mm. And Ferris... And then this is this is a good... This is a John Hughes movie. Bo, bo. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah you got to have this song because it was the 80s. Uh, suspiciously missing in the Gunnies, I'm going to say. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so you've got Cameron, who's basically the opposite of Ferris, the recluse, the the depressed, the, the really basically worn down by childhood. Like the utter 
even now that sort of childhood thing that we ignore as children, uh, uh, that parents seem to ignore in your children, you know, when you're not feeling, when you're feeling blue, he's the almost depressive. Mm-hmm. Like, first Bueller's the opposite. But they do have a connection and first Bueller feels like it's up to him. And he does explain several times that he's actually doing this day not for him, but for Cameron. So he starts this day off by stealing his dad's prized car. Yeah, but Yellow's playing over the background, like you say, oh, yeah. I can't stand Yellow. You know what that sounds? Can't stand it. Can't stand it. (laughs) It's good. Yeah. When anyone puts like one of their songs on YouTube or Spotify, I'm like, what are you putting this on for? I can't stand them. Right. So let's move away and just know that Cameron's father even knows the mileage. He's obsessed with this car. Ferris says he can fix the mileage and he steals the fucking car. Grand Theft Auto up to five years in prison. <laughs> What's he up to so far? I, I, At least one life sentence. <laughs> yeah, probably. Right, so he shows up dressed and he shows up dressed in a kind of disguise and lo- and Sloan recognise him, which is lucky because if she didn't, it's 12 years for kidnapping. <laughs> but when she gets to him, they make out all in view of Ed. And I want to say this, thank God, because we nearly went, we didn't mention incest last week, so it's finally back on the what, table. What? <laughs> But yeah, that's what we seem to get. You know, like, since we did the episode with Esther, fucking like a year ago, every episode like, at some point has put on sister making out. So it's glad that it's back. Um, Sloan, Cameron, and Master Manipulator drive to spend the day in Chicago. And I love this. John Hughes is unabashedly a fan of Chicago. Yeah. He just says this. He says, uh, he says, people do New York, Chicago's my town, and I make the Windy my- City, big pizza. Do you know what? It's worked because that's the only American city I've ever wanted to visit. True. It, yeah, New York. New York, I imagine, would be full of people with hats to say, I love New York, the Big Apple. With Chicago, I imagine someone will go, here, I'm walking here, and I'll like, push you. I, <laughs> Just be well, Stereotypically, it's the other way. Yeah, it? I know it but, is, yeah. but I don't know. I always find with America's big cities, I've been to like New York a few times, but I feel like you would need to go for a long time to really get the culture. Because I think when you're a tourist, they're so big and grand. Yeah. That I don't think you ever really soak up the atmosphere, the flavour, the people. Do you know what I mean? It's like when people come to London and just do the sights. It's like, no, come on, you need to go where all the hookers and the you know people yeah. piss down the alleys. That's London. That's London. You need to do go get stabbed by hypodermic needle. Yeah, <laughs> Back um, on beach. Not not the one street that they film Paddington and everything else. On. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, I, I, Chicago has always fascinated me as well. But it looks fucking cold. It does. Look looks cold. like one of those cities that's always depicted as freezing. It is, but I imagine the summer it stinks. I don't know why. Mm. Yeah, there you go. Now you know a little bit about me. So these three are on their way to Chicago, but who's driving? Illegally, he's driving because he doesn't have a license. So that's why he's uh, that's why he's annoyed. That would give you points on your license and a fine with the possibility of a ban from future driving. There you go. Um, meanwhile, the school, the students at school start fundraising for this little prick. So word's gotten out because for some reason, do you remember when you phoned in sick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, the money I got was and, insane. And then you rang the school mm. and then you you faked coughing down the phone using this master manipulating sound system. And then you would like, let me talk to another random person. And then and then you speak to them and they go, who's this? They go, oh, hello, it's Jane. And you go, oh, Jane, I need a new kidney. Cough, cough, cough. The next scene, mate, they start, but this is a recurring joke, which I don't really bring up again, but it's one of my favourite jokes is everywhere Ferris goes now, you see something about saving Ferris Bueller, which is quite funny. Mm. Like later they go to a baseball game. Uh, mm. Yankees, not Yankee, maybe the big cup stadium, whatever that's called. It says save Ferris around the score. I, mm. That is funny. That's good John Hughes, that is. Well done, John. John Hughes, well done. They get to Chicago where they abandon the car in a garage, parking like a proper twat, I might add, right across the entrance. I didn't like that parking. I know you didn't. <laughs> as soon as I said that, I say it every like, week. Like there's there's a certain decorum when it comes to parking one's car. 
Um, and the valley instantly steals the car with his friend. Did you know that's an upcoming film? They're doing a story about those two and, their oh, event- right? and the adventures they had after stealing the Ferrari car. That's a good idea. Yeah. Um, a bit, bit late, <laughs> if, if I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm honest, you probably could have done that story a while ago. And it's weird as well, given that the audience had been demanding it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's what? right up there with, you know where everyone was like campaigning for the Obi-Wan series? Yeah. And then this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ferris's mother returns home to check on him because she had the conversation with Ed and Ed basically made her feel like a bad mother. Mm. So she goes home to check on him, but he has set up an elaborate system making it look and sound like he's in bed. Imagine if he used this talent for good. So we know that Ferris doesn't probably need the lessons. He's a very smart guy. That's it. Mechanical. He Mm. doesn't need it. So maybe he thinks he's above it, but at the same time, it's not necessarily about him, but his effect on this. Remember what Ed said. Ed said he makes good kids do bad things. Remember, keep that in your mind. Because, I mean, that's the true true crime here, isn't it? It's the wasted potential. Exactly. And what he's, what he's depriving mankind of if he applied himself. There is some good jokes in this, especially there's a late scene, spoilers, where he's singing in a parade. And, spoilers. Spoilers. And the, the girlfriend and Cameron are talking, and she asks, what does he think he's going to be? And Cameron says, probably the world's best fry cook. Mm. And that's actually a really good line, because that's probably where I see the character Ferris Bueller going, never applying himself, taking everything as a joke basically kind of wasting the potential that he's got. And that's sad. That's probably the saddest thing I've said. There, there is, a, there, I'm amazed that there was not a Ferris Bueller's day off years to come where he's convincing Alan Rook's character to sky from work. Do you know what's really funny is apparently they always wanted to do a sequel like that and they were thinking at one point they might do um, an old folks home. Because Alan Rook is actually a lot older in this film than you think he's. He's not a teenager. He's like mm. 27 or something. He's so much older than everyone else. Yeah. And he thought it'd be really weird doing it and it's not. I refrain from nonce jokes there, James. <laughs> well, I, well I've done. developed and I've matured in 33 minutes. <laughs> While in Chicago, Cameron expresses a desire to pick up the car and return home, which Ferris ignores. In the next scene, they visit the stock market. We've all been there. Remember that time we were there and Bane turned up? <laughs> Do you want? I'm, I'm, I'm John Hughes and I'm pitching you this. It's like, they're going to spend the day in Chicago. Where are going to go? Wrigley Field, I think it's called. Is it really filled? Anyway. Really in the White Sox Stadium? Oh, oh shit. Sorry. I don't know. Sorry. Instead of go, oh, we'll well, go there's the Cubs in we'll there. We'll and then the, the White Sox is the two teams. Or is that a basketball team? I don't fucking know. I thought the White Sox were the... They, sure. There's the Red Sox and the White Sox. Baseball. They're doing baseball. And anyway, there's the Cubs. Anyway, and there's like, oh, we'll have a parade. And there's like, where else should we go? Kids fucking love the stock market. Fucking <laughs> you, love it, mate. You can't You can't get, move. You can't for move sure. for the stock market. <laughs> um... White Sox are a Chicago baseball there we team. Go. I'm Nailed not gone it. mental. They visit the stock market where Ferris asks Sloan if she wants to get married. She says no. The true hero. Uh, and then they leave, as you do. <laughs> that was it. They went to the stock market so he could propose to her, but not really. Mm. She said no. It's time to leave. <laughs> I mean, would you? Would you say yes to that? No. As established later, she doesn't think he'll ever amount to anything. Mm. Do you imagine just coming home and he's like, oh, bodacious. He's <laughs> like, oh, I put a shrimp on the barbie. And he's just like, yeah, I've been at work. <laughs> Have you done the ironing? And he'd be like, no, I, t- I taught the kids how to make macaroni and cheese. It was like, what, you open the tin, you pillock. <laughs> what is that? We went Australian for a minute. We came back with mac and cheese. Can you imagine though, working at the, uh, working at the stock market that day? Who's this fucking... This brick, get out! <laughs> because just before it, they start talking about Cameron's dad, mm. 
And what's really weird is I thought this the first time I watched it. They talk about Cameron's dad, how he's got not got any time for him. And it was really weird. Is I was like, then they're in the stock market. And I thought as a kid, I was like, oh, they go to see Cameron's dad. Yeah. They no, don't. No, that makes sense. <laughs> they don't. But then this time I was watching, they go, oh, they show his dad that. It's like, no, they don't. He's fucking oddwinged me again. <laughs> and this time, Ferris tries to get into a fancy restaurant, but has to lie about who he is to get into the place. Again, using his friends to lie to everyone for him. So in this, he pretends to be the sausage king. <laughs> Let oh, that yeah. one sit. But what I don't understand about this, he pretends to be the... So Sloane then rings on another line, as established, this does work, and she says, oh, can I talk to the sausage king, please? And then the, the, the maitre d' goes, well, what does he look like? And then she describes, she says he was wearing a leather jacket, mm. white T-shirt, jeans. Mm. What I don't understand about this, and then she's like, oh, he's rakishly good looking. But but how do they know what she's wearing? He'd be like, what's he wearing? Well, I don't know. <laughs> so we could have changed his clothes the last time I saw him because I saw him a week ago. I just want to talk to him on the phone. What's his star sign? <laughs> <laughs> What's the Sausage King star sign? <laughs> so she just Aquarius. I mean, cancer. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. Um, oh yes, identity theft carries a seven-year imprisonment <laughs> sentence. <laughs> also, it doesn't explain where is the sausage king because <coughs> he shows up and he sees that at twelve o'clock noon the, mm. the the sausage king is coming. It's like him. And then the guy's like, the guy's like, basically, well, you're the sausage king. Why isn't there then a scene of a guy going, well, no, I'm the sausage king. Can can I have my seat, please? And they're, like, they're lucky the sausage king no show. What's he got trapped in bread? <laughs> What's he, what's, he, uh, what's he look like? He's got a leather jacket, white shirt, jeans on. Okay. Smells a bit like pork. <laughs> goes, goes great with herbs and apple. What? <laughs> He's hanging out with two bits of bacon. <laughs> oh. Right. Ferris explains the problem with Cameron. So he's in the toilet now washing his hands. Mm. And, and I like that. He's washing his hands. He's taking it seriously. Um, he basically has overbearing parents who don't express their love, which can lead Cameron to becoming a hypochondriac. Really sad line here, like genuinely really sad, where he says that's why he enjoys feeling ill because he's in control of that. Mm. And I was like, fucking hell. He said, it was like, deep, he says, man. deep for this film. He's, he's deep. It comes out of nowhere, but also mm. washes his own hands. Maybe you can help me out here. Gives the attendant a dollar, but I don't know why. <laughs> he just paid to have a piss and wash his own hands. <laughs> like, if I'm paying, do something. <laughs> piss for me. Well, at least hold it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe it's maybe it's because he's he's got like that. He's a righteous dude. He's a he's a, he's a cook. He likes to be watched. <laughs> <laughs> he just slips in a dollar, and as he walks, he goes, "Slut." <laughs> There's only one thing worse than this. His dad comes out of a cubicle and he's having a shit. Who doesn't watch his dad? Puts his hands through his hair because <laughs> his dad's in the same restaurant. Mm. Jesus Christ! The fucking level I've gone into. How fucking horrible I am about this. Anyway. I don't think this is going to go in the vault. Ferris takes Cameron to the baseball game where they are nearly caught by Ed who was watching the TV uh, the game was on. So that's so Ed's searching for Ferris Bueller. He wants to catch him um, in the background of a bar. <laughs> no, it's a pizza place, but heavily implied that it's actually a bar as well. Ed goes and gets spat on by a girl. We normally, he has to pay extra for that. <laughs> don't know if you can make jokes about Ed like that. Anyway, carry on. Um... Ed now heads to Ferris's house to check to see if Ferris is ill, 
where Ferris has again set up an automatic reply system. This is the 80s. It was well above it, mate, which Ed recognises, and in a fit of it was acceptable in the 80s, Ed makes the decision to break into the house. I mean, you've got to love the uh, the work ethic of this man, don't you? I mean, he gets his kicks. Presumably, he's going to get paid no matter what. Surely he's covered his bases when he rang the mum. But, but... But it's like, right. Yeah, his authority ended there, wasn't it? It's like, oh, your son's off. Yeah, she's ill. All right, that's fine. But now it's, um, but now it's like, do you know what? It it's since the 80s, I can break into your house. <laughs> Fucking John Hughes <laughs> must have had such a lace fair attitude to his house. <laughs> can you imagine Just break in. Can you imagine, right? Let's see how this works out. Ed, the principal Ed breaks into First Brewers. Let's just hypothetically say mm. he makes his way up to First Brewers' bedroom, opens the door, and he is in there. What? what? But he's also. He, you know, he's, he's, he's been sweated, so he's took a few clothes off. Yeah. How do you explain that as the principal? Oh, shit. I just, I just thought I'd come and um, just thought I'd break it see for myself. Yeah. I've got a thermometer. Um, <laughs> just leaves. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, wanted to, just wanted to smell you. You won't get away with that now. No. I just wanted to smell you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a quarter game. <laughs> it's just, just, you know. Um, in an actual decent moment in the film, I love this bit, the trio visit an art gallery which showcases a lot of great art, whimsical music, and just all-round goodness, especially Cameron going up to, and I always forget the artist's name, is it? The implication that, the no, not the implication, the bigger picture is made up of the smaller dots. Yeah, and yeah. Cameron basically is focused, he gets closer and closer to the picture, so you start off as the bigger picture, gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and realise it's just single dots making the greater big picture. Maybe Cameron understanding his role in life. Or- I wanted to say constable but I could be wrong I don't know my artist that well I don't know my artist that well but I like that bit I think it's really good it's it's, it's like that's what Cameron needed to understand his greater role um after that, they get stuck in traffic. The trio try to bypass the traffic by walking past through a parade. But fuck that, Ferris hasn't been the centre of attention for at least five minutes, so he begins singing on top of a float, which drives the crowd into a frenzy because they've never heard anyone lip-syncing before. Ferris invented dancing that day, cured racism and stopped COVID. What a hero. Also, trespassing, 51 weeks imprisonment. <laughs> but I'm like, you've seen this film, mate. You've seen this recently. That I've... fucking crowd went mental. Like they were giving free steak and blowjobs away at the end of it. <laughs> the crowd's gone fucking ballistic. And all he did was lip sync. Two songs. One of them was Danke Shane. That's not really... Is it a German festival? Well, that would, explain, the hosen. well, that would explain why the Sausage King did so well. Oh my God. Brat vs. King. Oh my God. He was doing a deal with the Brat vs. King. Layers. <laughs> I want to see that. Yeah. I want to see the Sausage Day, the, the Sausage King's day off. Um, uh, I hate it. I really do. I, I think like the, the symbolism that, the quiet melodies, the the idea of expressing art through feeling and seeing it and feeling emotions whilst discovering true beauty is fucking immediately taken up back and shot where Ferris Bueller's lip syncing to 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 shit, mm. if I'm honest. And then that's when you have a conversation while this is happening and people are literally throwing their clothes off and rubbing them upside. It's like Matthew Broderick literally was made of liquid gold for seven minutes and the whole world just wanted to rip his face off. And then you've got his best friends going, oh, he's going to amount to fuck all in life. It's a weird scene. It is a weird scene. I don't, I, uh, do I like it? I think maybe it's, I mean, I'm impartial. It's just a scene, isn't it? It's just a throwaway scene in a movie. No, maybe I'm getting too much into it and that's fine. That's no, fine. you get, you, mate, you get balls deep in if you need to. Uh, meanwhile, Jeannie returns home ready to turn Ferris in. But instead, but instead finds Ed, who she hits in the head and rings the police. How do you explain that as well? 
It just it's a bit weird, isn't it? Also, they're both planning to jump out at the same time and go, surprise. But I don't know why she would do that mm. because she just has to go around the corner and go, I've caught you. You're not doing anything. But, they, but, they, but Ed is still in that person's house. So even if he jumped around and surprised it was Ferris Bueller, he'd be like, nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so, they could have joined forces at this point. They could have. That would have made sense, mate. Mm. But says she kicks him in the face. Rightfully. Rightfully kicks him in the face. It, it causes some damage, mate. So he's... He's been he's been knocked out, but Ed sneaks out of the house, but his car is being towed while the police don't believe Jeannie or Jenny, saying that she made it up 80s. Just one of the Goonies couldn't give a toss. <clears throat> she ends up in jail where we get a cameo from Tiger Blood himself. Yeah, Charlie Sheen, yeah. Who is in jail for drugs? Well played, John Hughes. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Jeannie is charged with making a false report. Who's gonna be the heart of this story? You know, she sat there. She, you know, she's just been arrested, mate, for making a false report. Her parents are coming in and they're fucking angry, mate. Well, mm. the mum is. She's angry. She nearly closed that deal. But this has stopped her. Jeannie feels like she's in the shadow of her brother. Mm. If only there was someone who cast a bigger shadow. Tiger blood. Defeated AIDS. Defeated life, mate. Defeated death. Charlie Sheen gives her a speech about it. It's all about you. Mm. Sounds like the person you need to talk to is Ferris Bueller. And then make out with him. Mm. I don't know why I did the noise. <laughs> I regretted it immediately. <clears throat> the guys go back and pick up the car, but the mileage is far greater than they thought it was, which causes Cameron to freak out. Ferris panics, saying he just wanted to give Cameron a perfect day due to them getting older and Cameron oh, going to college. This is all about Ferris. There's nothing to do about Cameron. I do feel like they shoehorn this in now. There's like, oh, we've got to make it that he's a righteous dude and he was doing this. If he was doing it, then he wouldn't have like lied about Sloan. They wouldn't have mm. stolen the car. He would have... He would have taken the day off. He would have started the fucking conversation in the movie by going, I want to do this for you. Yeah, but he doesn't. He starts off like hounding him, ringing mm. him up, going, be here in 15 minutes, bitch. Yeah. Bring me McDonald's. He doesn't say <laughs> that. That sounds great though, doesn't it? <laughs> um, so this is, this is, this is, also there's a nice bit here and I had to read into it this time. He's saying goodbye because Ferris isn't going to college. And I do like that. And also the marriage that he's got with Sloane, he knows that he can't marry because he also brings up in this point as well, <clears throat> is that she's younger than him. Mm. He's not going to. He's not going to wait for her. This is a young romance. It's not going to be the romance forever. His friendship with Cameron is also ending, and it's almost like. And I have to read into this. Well, maybe I don't have to read into it that much. Is this is him trying to like make Cameron better before they also part as well? Which I, which I quite. That's a good thing to do. Mm. You know, it's like I'm going to leave the situation better than I left it. But then part of me thinks that you're part of the reason Cameron is like the way he is. He's fucking catatonic because you promised him something and you, you didn't deliver. Anyway. Anyway. Um, Cameron is catatonic, so Sloan and Sloan and uh, Ferris take him to a jacuzzi. <laughs> you know, that thing that, you know, does magic. While there, Cameron throws himself into the bottom of the pool, but it was a joke. Cameron was being hilarious. The thing that got him out of the catatonic state, that's a bit weird as well. It's because he saw Jeannie getting changed and he thought, breasts, that's not right. <laughs> this Johnny's <laughs> Look in the mirror, you dead man. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> the plan to get the mileage down is to lift the car on a brick and hit the car in reverse because reasons. That works. <laughs> I do that every time I go for a fucking service in MOT. <laughs> Just fucking put it in reverse. In reverse. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't miss school, should he? <laughs> miss so much school, he doesn't. He's just, he's just an idiot. <clears throat> Sorry. Cameron comes clean, 
talking about his depression and how he deals with things, including how he's pushed around by his father. He kicks his car like it's his surrogate brother that will always have the attention that he never had. He damages the lights and bumper before, you know, he kicks in the back. So he starts punching it and kicking it. And he's losing it. He's finally, camera's coming out of his shell. Mm. This is what he wants. This is what he demands. He demands to be seen, recognised. Basically, he's been under heel of Ferris for so long that he wants the spotlight for himself. But no, it's actually, he's acting out of his parents. The reason he's depressed, he doesn't feel loved. Mm. He doesn't feel like he's a priority for his parents because they were away. His dad pays more attention. He even mentions it throughout the film. His dad cares more about the car than even his own wife. The implication, like Ferris has got it all. It's like he's jealous of his best friend. Maybe that's why he hangs around with him. Ferris understands this, which is why he tries to bring Cameron to his level and brings him with him. It's like, you can make something out of life. But you can't just cheer away depression. You can't just lie about it. You need to confront it, which he does by smashing out like his his metaphorical brother. He gives it one last kick. Brick falls. And inexplicably, as I talked about earlier, this car is on the second level of Batman's retreat and reverses right out of a window and into the forest, thus destroying the car. And the window. And the window. So what, <clears throat> what happened? So while he wanted to be defined, the reason he started kicking the car was like, we can't get away with this. He, my dad will know I've done this and I'll take the blame. But when the car gets destroyed, he immediately fucking changes his tune then, doesn't he? It's like, you did this. <laughs> Again, you, you, I love the level of detail. Last film in the Goonies, Alvary State, I just talked about penises. <laughs> I, we, we, I'm talking about his beating up his metaphorical brother. <laughs> yeah, it's quite deep. Not going to lie. Cameron decides to take the blame for this, leaving Ferris free from responsibility. Mm. Happy music plays and Sloan <clears> smiles, implying that this is a good thing. He's going to get the shit. <laughs> no one saw him yet. As has, as has been applied, his dad doesn't give a shit about him. He's like, that car they only made a hundred about, fucking belt to the sweet. <laughs> Cameron was never seen from it. <laughs> like, I know, he lives in a forest, perfect place. <laughs> you're, you're dead, Rooker. <laughs> Um, now the race is on. <clears throat> Genie is picked up from the police station by a mum and they race back as Ferris has to get home as well. He runs out in front of Genie and his mum doesn't see it because the, the, the papers start flying away. They look at each other. It's on, motherfucker. The shit has hit the fan. I do quite like the ending of this movie. It, it's, it, this is, I knew about this ending before I saw the film. Yeah. <clears throat> Ferris uses the back garden, stealing food and perving on women. I can't even be bothered now to do the... Uh, the, the fucking imprisonment rates. Um, Janie races home, being pursued by the police, who disappeared soon after. <laughs> which, which, which implies that she outran the police, which is some very good That's driving. a superpower. That's a super. Everyone arrives at home at the same time, while Ferris is stopped at the back door by Ed, <gasps> who tells him he will retake the year. But like Ed said earlier, Ferris makes good kids do bad things. So Jeannie covers for him telling Ed that he left his wallet in the house when he broke in. Meaning, how shit were those police? <laughs> she physically had proof that someone was in the house and you still fucking ignored her. <laughs> um, Ferris gets away with it. Once again. Finn. Is, is, I mean, in a, in a world where films, the climax of a film is saving the universe, saving the planet, saving from another villain that's more villainous than the last 10 villains that we've seen. Yeah. It, there is something somewhat refreshing that the concept of a movie is just not getting caught for scarving off school. I've got no actual problem with the film. I, I feel like the film is, is fine. It's a good story. It's good John Hughes. There's a good message in there. I actually feel the problem is, shockingly, the character Ferris Bueller. And this is how I would have adopted it because the film's not about Ferris Bueller and his day off. The film's about Cameron dealing with depression and his friend 
And as, as it starts off, he's using him, but then it's implied that he's using him in a good way. So to me, Ferris Bueller's actually would have worked better as an imaginary character that you found out towards the end of the film wasn't real. Mm. And it was actually Cameron fantasizing about who he wanted to be because there's no way Ferris character, Ferris Bueller as a character is real. Yeah. When I'm watching it, he's not, you can't be that well liked by everyone, get away with everything. Even the parents of um, Ferris Bueller and Jeannie, I, I keep saying Jenny, I think her name's Jeannie, so I apologize if you've been screaming at the, your phone for the last hour. Um, the parents, they say you'd never get away with this. It's because he's not real. Ferris isn't real in my head because no one's that cool. And that's why you don't, I don't see how anyone could like Ferris Bueller because you can't relate to him. Mm. He's one of the most unrelatable characters in history. He's fucking loved by everyone. Everything he touches turns to gold. And to me, it's more the, um, sorry, uh, the scene with the float and how cartoonish and carnival things are. It's, I know there's not, but there's like strippers and everyone's getting involved. It's like the, the greatest float in the history of the world. That happens because Ferris Bueller gets involved. But the main focus is actually Cameron talking to Sloan about what's going to happen to this character. And to me, it's them saying that Ferris Bueller is great in high school, but isn't a, isn't a history because he's not real. To me, it makes more sense if Ferris Bueller's not real. I, I know I've said it about eight times and that's what I feel. So I feel like Ferris Bueller, the character actually ruins the story because you can't, you can't relate to him in any way, shape or form. Yeah. And that character has been done not to that extreme of um, the king of high school doesn't mean you're going to be yeah. the king of the world afterwards. You figure, you know, it's often the character that doesn't grow up, isn't it? The Peter Pan thing. It's like, it's like Stifler in American Pie. Yeah. It's like you've peaked you've now. You've peaked and this is your yeah. life. Yeah. And everyone else who you've called lame and you've called like square and all that kind of thing, they've got their head down and got their head screwed on are going to now go past you very quickly. And it's, it's a kind of, it's a theme, isn't it? It's yeah. kind of a, um, and Ferris Bueller is probably the, the extreme of that. Yeah. So, so I, I think when you look at, if, when I looked at it, I looked at it is if that character's not real and it's in Cameron's head, because they're both off at the same time, just so happens that, that Cameron's off mm. the same day that Ferris Bueller decides to have a day off. That's lucky. Mm. So me, to me, in my head, it makes more sense. That it, it also kind of explains the fourth wall yeah. breaks and his ability to basically get away with everything. And that's just me. And that's the other thing. Is if you didn't have all the fourth wall breaking at the beginning, which also worked in the 80s and it works in things like Fleabag. And, it, and I do like it. Like She-Hulk does it quite a lot as well, yeah. which I quite like. But when you then stop using that later on in the movie, it kind of makes the first act look a bit odd. Yeah. I think also there's, again, you know, the, uh, armchair director, it's great to say this is what I would have done. It makes no fucking sense. But an idea, and that's what podcasts and conversations are about, is actually spreading ideas. Wouldn't it have been great if, you know, if you didn't have him so cocksure at the beginning and so like, you know, righteous dude and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. At the end of the movie, you know, like, I know it's severe, but like, he like coughs blood and he was like, I was ill. Yeah. But this was for you, Cameron. You know, it, it, and his fucking kidney just jumps up and cleaves. Yeah. <laughs> See you later. Yeah, his fucking arm drops off. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Like, if the, if the redemption is, no, I was, I was really ill and I've been fucking putting on a brave face all day. The reason I've got eight days off is because I've actually got something seriously wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you, you can't do that with all the beginning bit. You need to yeah. delete that. And I, and I suppose this movie hinges on young audiences getting in the cinema and in the first 10 minutes being like, I'm sold because everyone's wanted to do that. Everyone's wanted yeah. to call off sick and have a day to play the computer games or music or whatever it is. So my actual problem with this is, and, and I've looked at it objectively this week, is not Matthew Broderick because we decided that we were going to come at this with a, you know, the Kevin Spacey, you know, scumbag. 
who does some good work. So I removed Matthew Broderick, who for the record killed two people and got a hundred pound fine. <laughs> so Ferris Bueller would have gone to jail for life. <laughs> but um, I, I hate the kind of Ferris Bueller. I don't mm. like him. I, I will never, maybe it's because I was bullied in secondary school or, you know, I never, I never complained that I got a computer instead of a car. I just feel like it's so inane and so out of there and I'll never be able to like literally go, oh, me and Ferris Bueller did the same thing. It will never happen. Not right. relatable. But then not again, I'm not relatable to John Connor, Carl Reese, or the Terminator. But you do. Do you remember that time when you came back in time and impregnated your mother? No, oh, yeah. No, that's that was weird. <laughs> that's the sentence I wish I had said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I know what you mean, because you're right. Yeah, all right. Horror movies, action movies, those kind of things are not supposed to be relatable. They're supposed to be completely unrelatable, and that's where the adrenaline comes from. But when yeah. it's a character-based film, I suppose there has to be something relatable to it. And it's either that you want to be that person or you are that person or there's elements of that person or someone you know. He, he, gets, he is a cartoonishy character. But then again, so is Inspector Gadget and that won Oscars. Fuck off. No, I didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've seen the Oscars, mate. So, so it, was a, it was a possibility. Go, go, Gadget, Razzie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I mean to be honest. It's classy, but it's not for me. Yeah, it's not for me. It's not for me. I'm not. I'm not in a rush to go back and revisit it. And going into it with uh, fresh eyes this this week, I, I did. I did. I was happy when it was finished. I was yeah. like, yeah, I'm, I'm good with that now. If anything, it was. A, it's a gateway into John Hughes. And actually, yes. saying this podcast probably hasn't delved into the back catalogue of John Hughes. There's, as there's much. a lot of things we haven't done. Yeah. So, so we, I suppose, if anything, it's a stepping stone to get to the good John Hughes stuff. But first, it's a court movie. A load of people do like yep. it. A lot of people love it. You know, the poster is is infamous. Yeah. It is the Matthew Broderick. Like it, love it or whatever. It is Matthew Broderick's kind of staple performance, I guess. This is not steep one. Yeah, maybe. I think it's always... And and it hit him young, you know what I mean? It's not like he didn't mature into like, you know, like Mahershala Ali where he kind of his greatest stuff was in his later career. Yeah. It must be weird for Broderick kind of hitting the ball there and then kind of not going on to anything really of that. Yeah. Imagine when he showed up to the first day of glory. You're like, yeah, this guy. Yeah, he got acted out by everyone. And yeah. it's just like, oh, I'm, I need to go back more to my level. Expect to gadget. Expect to gadget. But not the sequel, apparently. Not the sequel. Um, that's an hour, mate. Do you want to talk about any films you watched this week? I have, talk, I have seen some some movies. I haven't really got that many notes on them. But um, Weirdly, uh, my kid, little, little one, she has a Dumbo toy and okay. wanted to watch Dumbo. I said I was Dumbo and then she took me by the hand she does this great super cute thing which will take me by the hand and like lead me to the sofa which you've no choice <laughs> you've no choice but to put the telly on then and um, you know she obviously just assumed it was a cartoon or something and do you know what that's really bad Dumbo and I don't mean it as like a like woke like uh, you know because obviously it starts with the Disney disclaimer the the, yeah the 1941 yeah. movie Starts with a disclaimer that you know cultural references or historical uh, commentaries are no longer in dated, but they kept them in to spark conversation. You know, they're just the right thing. But pretty much from start to finish, that movie is fucking bad. Do you know what I mean? Like from whipping animals to the depiction of culture and, and that to it's just not a very good movie from start to finish. Um, I guess the good thing is that they they never were trying to imply that that was good. So you can leave that. They're not like yeah. it's, not, it's not like the story of a happy whip that overcomes its shyness to whip an animal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but do you know what I mean? Like, I remember sat there and, and I couldn't even, even a two-year-old, I couldn't find myself thinking, yeah, but she'll find something in this that she enjoys. Because even the animation's fucking depressing. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> all the elephants are crying all through the movie. It's fucking I was like, sad, I got about it? 10 minutes in, I went, eh, I'm going to turn this off. 
Um, so we watched the uh, I'm Groot shorts that are like oh. four or five minutes long and they are so funny. They've got a Christmas special coming out, haven't they? It's out, out now, yeah. The, the Gardens of the Galaxy Christmas special is out, 45 minutes. I'm gonna. I'm waiting till middle of December to watch that. And I'm fairly certain then it's done. Gardens of the Galaxy is done. No, there's Gardens of the Galaxy 3 coming out. No, sorry, then, man, it's done. So then it's done because James Gunn is, is turned to the dark side. He's gone DC. He's, he's gone full DC. Yeah, he's God of DC now. And I believe it's a... Um, it's an exclusive, so he, he's not allowed to work on... My mind's on his DC was like, no, we'll have James Gunn, and he can only do... Well, why wouldn't you? DC. I mean, you know, like Marvel wanted to churn him out, and it was only the fans and, and, and everyone that came and back. The cast, yeah. DC were like, we don't care about your past, mate. You you come you come sit on this side of the table. Yeah. I've got a thing. It means we get more Peacemaker, so I'm good. I just, and that's... Yes. I want to take another run at that soon. Yeah, I was thinking about the other day, yeah. I reviewed a film a few weeks ago. Me and Esther went to go see it. And it was called The Duke. And it was a great story. It was, great, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a great British story. Helen Mirren, Jim Broadbent. Great story. Whilst we were there, I saw a trailer for the 2021 film called The Phantom of the Open. Oh, yeah, the golf movie. With with the golf uh, movie Mark, Mark, Mark Rylance. Mm. And, yeah, I like Mark Rylance. And I, I, I'm, at the minute, I've got a panache for the old, smaller British cinema, especially celebrating these weird British characters that we... We're only starting to discover now. So this is a true story of uh, Morris Flickcroft, who basically became the Phantom of the Open. He's famous. He's a real-life person who shot in the qualifying round for the US Open, the the, uh, the UK Open, sorry, British Open, one of the highest scores, the highest score ever made. Mm. And obviously golf is the shorter, the better. He lied on his application, said he was a pro. He was a crane worker who was losing his job, and he said, his wife basically said to him in the film, do what you want. Mm. You've, you've sacrificed for your life. Do what you want. It turns out he watched a bit of golf on the TV. He thought he'd like that. And Add me his, a bit of that. It's his story of basically Flickcroft, and this is true as well, lying about being a pro and disguising himself after he was banned and going into other things. Mm. It's a funny film, and it's, it's the sort of stuff that you like about British comedies. It's that right kind of vein of a... It's, it's, it's an hour and a half. It's perfect tier, mate. It's good acting. Mark Rylance is fantastic. He puts on his voice. At the end, they do that thing where they show real-life footage of the the actual mm. Morris. Um, and you go, oh, he nailed that pretty good. It's a good story. I liked it. The problem was, when I'm watching it, I was thinking of the Duke. You know when you're, when you're with a lady? Well, at least it's not Abigail while you're thinking about Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, not a lady. I'm trying to think of You know when you're having something that's good, but it reminds you of something better, mm. and you can't enjoy the goodness because you're thinking... I want me a slice of that Jim Broadbent, Helen Mirren, The Duke. And I was really sad with myself that I couldn't get The Duke out of my head to really enjoy Phantom of the Opera, uh, Phantom of the Open. Really, they're the same story. They're about an underdog uh, uh, taking on the system. Mm. One of them's golf. One of them's the, the UK justice system, the the, the political power. Um, and Mark Rice does a fantastic job to do this. So the supporting cast. There's a lot of mustaches, mate. I know you like to rank I a mustache. Do you like a mustache? There's a lot of good, good, thick, meaty mustaches set in the 70s. Well, I'm sorry. Every minute I was with Phantom of the Open, I was thinking of the Duke. Mm. And, and and it makes me stress. What's the Duke, the Duke mate, <laughs> if you get a chance to watch it? And that was very sad. I love Mark Rylance and I love these type of films. They're small, they're not good, they've got they've not got huge budgets. And just like the Duke, it tells a story of a of a zany British person that will get lost in the annals of history at some point. And it's really important to make these films. And, and whilst I imagine they took a lot of artistic license, it was still a fun movie. Both of them. Watch the Duke. Watch Phantom of the Open. Probably watch Phantom of the Open first so you don't get stuck in the quandary of the Duke or Phantom the, of the Open. The quandary. <laughs> quandary, mate. I, uh, 
just just while we're on it, I just quickly I, I watched the movie last night. I think it was flicked it on. It's a movie that I wanted to watch when it came out. I didn't catch it. It's now on Sky Cinema, and that is The Northman. I wanted to watch it mainly because it's Robert Eggers. <laughs> Do you know what, mate? This is a true story. I just was watching this or Marry Me with Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson. And I watched Marry Me. Well, wait, hold on, mate. She might have made the right choice. I'm a big Robert, Robert, uh, Robert Eggers fan. I loved The Lighthouse. I thought that was my favourite film, you know, of like 2019, whenever that came out. I, I loved that film. Yeah. I like The Witch. I really like that. And it's nice yeah, that, Anya that I need to watch that. Yeah, Anya Taylor Joy comes back in this. Black Phillip, mate, the GOAT, MVP of that movie. Should have won an Oscar. Um, I said every week. Every week. Got it tattooed <laughs> on my back. And um, yeah, I like Eggers. He's doing Nosferatu. And that gets me in. Eggers is a person, you know, Damien Chazelle, you know, he's, he's a name. He's a, a name that gets you in that seat, mate. Yeah, there's certain actor directors that. When, when the name is is floated around, I I want I want to go see what they're doing. Robert Eggers is one of them because he's he's like um, he's like watching Ari Aster in the sense that um, it's going to make movies that are unsettling and uncomfortable, but it, it's not because it's gross out gore and, and whatever. It's because he creates tension, atmosphere, you know, and feeling in a film. And so on his previous work, I thought I'm in safe hands. Northman's got Alexander Starsgard, who still has the greatest IMDb poster uh, picture ever. Um, Nicole Kidman's in it. William Dafoe, obviously from the Lighthouse. I've, yeah, I've heard. I've heard. I've heard that this film's not gone that down well. But yeah. I don't think it helped that a lot of the audience didn't they. I could be completely wrong, and if I find him, apologize. The the alt right tried to turn it into their film, and I think oh, that right. turned some audiences away. That it was like White Pride, you know, is the mm. Norseman, the Northman, sorry, the Northman. Yeah, and I tell you, Joy returns. Ethan Hawke's it. It's good cast, you know, solid cast. And you know, I, I hope I don't mind. No one takes it offensive. Vikings and Northmen and beards and that is in, you know, it's the new hipster, it's isn't it? It's the yeah. new man bun. It's the new, it's the new thing, it's isn't to it? Me, to me, it's the new zombie film. Yeah. It, it, we go through this, you know, a few years ago, like Assassin's Creed did a, did a, a Vikings film. Vikings, the actual TV show called Vikings was yeah. huge on Valhalla, Amazon. you know. Valhalla and that type of thing, yeah. You, you know, and you've got, um, oh, and Bjork's in it. How could I forget Bjork's in it? Screeches away through one scene. Are you actually kidding? No, Bjork is in Mate, it. Mate, Grace film ever. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's quite, it should be a home run because it's it's in fashion at the moment. It's you know it's and Alexander Starsgard looks great with his beard, his long hair, and you know he's proper Viking drinking out of a mm. horn and the skull of his head heavy. And, and where does it go wrong? Talk well, to me. It's a classic revenge story that is not too far from something Shakespearean and you know and Hamlet and Macbeth or whatever. You know, he's someone who you know is an heir to a to a particular kingdom who gets yeah. it robbed from him. You know, father dies, swears vengeance, swears to avenge his father and save his mother who he leaves behind. And he joins a, a gang, a group, a, you know, of, of vicious cutthroat um, Vikings. I hope I'm not getting this wrong. You know, in terms of terminology, they're not Vikings, Northmen, or whatever it is. But anyway, and he works as well. We're not ranks. historians. We're barely film fans. And, and, <laughs> so. and, 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 and it gets to that point where it's like Gladiator, you know, where he knows where he's got to be, so he's got to work out how to get there. Yeah, and basically Gladiator on ice. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you know, so he has to become a slave to get close and all this kind of stuff. So you know, it takes from other films, which I always thought Robert Eggers doesn't do. You know, he's very yeah. very good with his scripts and his stories and his screenplays. It is quite graphic as well. You know, there are scenes of violence, you know, by all means, the Vikings and, and the, this, I think it's like 95 AD, um, you know, it's, it, it's a gory graphic time. You know, you you 
you attacked a village and you didn't end there. You burnt all the young, you know, you killed all the males, you know, you enslaved the women. It's, it, it does, it would be a disjustice to p- paint them as jolly people. Yeah. But 30 minutes <laughs> in. just come around and just showed candy to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, sorry about, you know, <laughs> you know, oh, we're all mates now though. You know what I mean? It goes the extra bit to show, no, no, let's lock all the kids up in that barn and set on fire. It's, it's nasty. It's you know, it's, it doesn't shy away from how brutal that land must have been. Makes you think, how did anyone get old in this film? You know, at this time, you know what I mean? Like everyone. And um, there's some pretty good scenes as well that show Robert Eggers is developing as a filmmaker. There's some really long sequences, um, you know, that kind of seamless cutting shots and stuff like that. that are quite creative. It does also then branch into a bit ridiculous. Someone throws a spear at this one scene and it looks great. Catches it mid-air and throws it back and kills someone. You think, yeah, but st- imagine if that didn't pay off. How do you lose an arm? For, right, right. Some fucker threw a spear. I thought, I thought I'd, I'd, I'd try to catch it. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, at least get a splinter from it or something. So we can't, I was watching it like, oh, this isn't like The Witch, which felt really organic and dirty mm. and, you know, and, and, and terrifying, not terrifying, but unsettling. And so was The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse built attention, you know, and he fucks a mermaid in that movie. <laughs> and um, Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> Don't kill a seagull. That's the moral of the lighthouse. <laughs> Don't kill a seagull. And this just felt, it felt too, it felt too big budget and blockbustery, and mm. didn't have the, like I said, that, that feel that I hope Nosferatu has. Yeah. You know, and, um, but it, it was entertaining. Don't get me wrong. It's two hours and something long and it does deliver on what it sets out in the first 10 minutes. Like the first 10 minutes is like, this is the film you're going to watch. And it do, and it does that. There's no, it doesn't go wildly off on a tangent or take you down a different path. You, you get the film that you think you're going to get within the first 10 minutes. There's just, again, you know, it's one of, I, I'm an Ethan Hawke fan, but that doesn't mean I have to like everything he's in. Yeah. You know, and I like Nicole Kidman, but it doesn't mean that she can do every access on uh, every accent under the sun. There are some breakout stars. And Anya Taylor-Joy is terrific in everything. And Alexander Starsgard looks the bee's knees in this film. He looks aggressive. It's also got a guy, I'm going to, his Danish accent, I'm going to destroy his name. I mean, it's Klaus Bang, who played Dracula in the recent BBC okay, uh, yeah. incarnation. He's in it as well. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was all right. It, it's one of the movies where I was like, yeah, I'm not going to rush back and watch it. I'm not going to discourage anyone from watching it, but it, it wasn't, it was, I, I, I was, I thought this was going to be like, oh dude, top five films like this year. That was, that was everything I needed it to be. Mm. You know, it's, um, but it did teach me one thing. When that time machine I've got starts working, I'm yeah. not going back to this time because they will fucking kill anyone. <laughs> There's a bit where literally they're going down the river in a riverboat and another boat passes them and they just shoot them with arrows. He's like, and they're all like, hey. it's like, the fuck is just on about his day. You know what I mean? He was just doing some fishing. There was a drive by. He might have a family. It's a drive by arrow. He, he might have left two kids at home where he's gone to go get some supper. Gonna go get milk from the local El Sainsbury's. <laughs> he's gonna go and milk a fish. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, there's enough in it to like it and to enjoy it and enough to kind of go, well, oh, fur egg is other stuff, but. Fair enough. Yeah. Anything else? Do you want to hear about Marry Me? <laughs> no, I don't want to hear about Marry Me. The fucking <laughs> Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson, Jennifer Lopez movie. Yes, please, James. Well, Tell me all about I'll do, that. I'll, I'll do it quickly. Jennifer Lopez plays Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> she's a she's a pop star, the biggest pop star in the world. And she's getting married to her latest boo mm. on national television. You no. know. And it's going to be live streamed on Twitter and Facebook and Insta and all of that. Mm. And then as she's as she's in a dress going up the stage, she finds out, mate, that he's only been cheating on her. Fuck me. Oh, and it's, on, and on it's, J-Lo. And on, she's not know she's from the block. And she used to have a little. 
No, she has a fucking lot. I don't That's know all I know. <laughs> That's, it's so white. Yeah. Um, basically, it's, nat- it's national news. It's just been broken like seconds before that. So she gets up there and she starts talking about love and what it means. And then, just so happens, mate, the single father, maths teacher, Owen Wilson, is there. And he's going through a divorce with his wife and it's not going that well. And basically, he feels like, feels like he's losing his daughter to the new stepdad. So he's only guilted in sacred to this flipping concert. And his friend is basically, he's holding a sign that says, marry me, the song that they were going to sing. So it just says, marry me, this sign. Jennifer Lopez only sees him in the crowd with his marry me sign. And she says, yes. I really hate this film. And then and then Owen Wilkinson, for no reason, he marries her on the stage. How is that? <laughs> How is that a film? How is that a film? They get married and then they learn to love that's how it works, right? It's it's Night Hill, but with a with a more slant on social media, which I detest. So, more American. So there are there are scenes where there's basically you you looking through like a filter from what I assume is Instagram Live. Uh, being a person who's never used that, I mm. I don't give a shit. Um, it was not as pull my eyes out. I wanted this one to fall asleep too. <laughs> I needed I came to Lincoln early this week, mm. and I wanted to have a nap, and I wanted to put something on that I could fall asleep to, and I didn't. I didn't fall asleep to the film. It kept me guessing. It wasn't great, but it is. It's weird to see the the trajectory of Owen Wilson's films. I, I think <laughs> that's was, he was never the great actor. Mm. He's got anti Tom Cruise. I don't think Tom Cruise. I think Tom Cruise is actually a good actor, but has. I don't. I can't think of anyone he's actually ever had really good chemistry with, except for in Maverick with Jennifer Connelly. I thought their chemistry spot on. Mm. But Owen Wilson seems to have chemistry with pretty much everyone, but isn't a good actor. <laughs> So, yeah. I think that needs to be on the poster, though, doesn't it? Like, I didn't fall asleep for it. <laughs> I didn't I didn't pull my own eyes out and throw them. Old Boy, the re- the American version of Old Boy with Thanos in it. Yeah. Josh Brolin. Yeah. Uh, didn't that have on the poster um, a subpar remake that's unnecessary <laughs> because no one checked the quote before they put it on the poster? <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty certain that is true. Um, yeah, I've got no intention of watching that. And it's something odd as well, I know about that. And I don't want to, you know, we... We here I am going, oh, we you try not to be gossipy when we're talking about like Matthew Broderick's career and everything like that. But I mean, Owen Wilson is notoriously known as being a very bad dad in real life for having kids that he never sees and pays no support to. Really? And it's weird oh. that they're in a film. Yeah, there should be some clause where it's like, you can't play characters <laughs> that you're, you know, it's like Adam Sandler, you can't be in a film where you play a good actor because <laughs> it's just untrue. <laughs> no, <laughs> it, it, no one will believe it. No one will believe you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a shame because I like Owen Wilson. Yeah. But then again, you can't believe everything you read on the internet, James. Exactly. You can't, apparently. You can't. I read that on the internet. <laughs> uh, I think you should watch Marry Me. No. Mate, you watch Morbius. <laughs> I did watch Morbius. So. I did. And um, the other day as well, I got really excited because I was on the Disney uh, app and I was like, and I saw Uncharted and I just saw it out of the corner of my eye and it wasn't uh, Thingy. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't uh, Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. I went, oh, maybe they did do an Uncharted movie that I didn't know about. You know, like when you find out there's like, you know, there's like a Dead Island film or there's like a... Um, yes. what, what's that other game I fucking love? That, um, Resident Evil? No, no, I know about them films. No, the uh, oh, the ones where you always... Oh, it's gone for me. Far Cry. Oh, okay. And then you're like, yeah. oh yeah, there's a Far Cry movie. There is Far Cry I mean, movie. You wish you didn't know about it, but... They, they were all made by UV Bomb. Yeah. Yeah. And I was looking at... Uh, I, I was like, oh, Uncharted. And then I re- and then when I actually focused on it, it's Gordon Ramsay, and it's a National Geographic documentary. It's like, Gordon Ramsay, Uncharted. I went, I bet that's shitter than the film. I don't know. So he goes to places that probably never heard of Gordon Ramsay and like slates their cooking, and mm. then I assume they skin him alive and eat him. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, watched watched one episode, that, I watched one episode of Gordon Ramsay where he, he went to like... He, he, there was these, all these crabs... 
yeah. underwater and he picks one and he takes it to the beach and then they like eat it. And I just thought, imagine me and that crab that day. Be like, oh fuck, it's Ramsey. <laughs> that crab probably had kids to go feed, and it was going to milk a fish or do something. You know what I mean? He just that is day. Do you want know to understand about cooking? Cooking should be a pleasant thing. It's about tasting. It's about experience. I I don't understand why people get so angry because you can't boil an egg Mate, properly. I, I don't I get it. I can't believe it. Like I watch these. They, it makes my piss boil. And they do it. They, they, they Facebook has got that algorithm in it where it shows you things that piss you off because that's yes. the whole point. It gets people because it wants mad. you to be enraged. Yeah. yeah. And the amount of times I see and I watch him and I shouldn't and it's like a food critic going off at someone because they boiled an egg wrong. And I thought, <laughs> for who the fuck are you? Do you know what I mean? Like I now was, I don't eat at restaurants where I have the highest like caliber of like yeah your standards i'll say standards i don't yeah. have i don't have standards when i go out and eat like yeah. as long as it's warm and i'm not going to get sick off it it's food it's a pizza yeah. it's a burger it's a whatever it is and it, I, I get it that the, these people are charging like hundreds of pounds for food which is ridiculous to me because it's some form of like it's a bit of rye bread with a fucking duck foam and that's food <laughs> apparently but when you see ramsey like going off his tits at someone <laughs> because they're fucking Cooked a fish for 30 seconds too long. It's fucking raw. It's raw. My, my favourite one I've ever seen. <laughs> my favourite one, I think it was the American one. I can't remember if it was, I, I don't remember what it was. They all blend into one to me. And the guy that cooked for him was a chef for a barracks. So he's in the army. And the guy said, uh, Ramsey's review of it was, oh, you haven't got much taste in it. And it's, it's a bit bland. And I remember thinking, well, that guy cooks for... 200 people a day and he's probably more concerned with staying alive in yeah. a war zone than he is boiling your fucking rice you yeah it's weird because prick. When, I'm, when I'm out there I forgot I forgot my Cajun spice mate <laughs> learned to do with Anna I had me gun and me helmet and I had one egg yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I see one as well where there's like because they, they build it up now like Ramsey to be fair he created the blueprint and yeah. now in a, and it's weird that Ramsey hasn't been cancelled in a world of like Anytime anyone's bullied online and they, and they kind of, you know, rightfully they go back to people like Caroline Flack who took a laugh yeah. stuff. And, 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 you, and yet you still cheer for And you, like, and you think, here's Ramsey, calling someone, like putting two bits of bread around someone's face, calling them an idiot sandwich. And we're like, yeah, go Ramsey. Yeah. Like, what, what, that person's got feelings, right? Unless they're actors, which could be. But I, I, it makes, I watch this one and it, like this person brings this food, which in my eyes looks great, but I'm not eating it. And then it's, this guy eats it and he eats two mouthfuls and then he goes, you bring me this and then kicks the bowl over. And I thought, you ate two mouthfuls, you fucking pleb. Could have been that bad. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And if you're the cleaner on set, you'd be like, you dick. Fuck off. I've already got 50 fucking pots to do. Now I've got to clean up a bit of salmon off the floor. Still my favourite thing of all these shows, mate, is always... I knew oh, this was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. Bring up Ramsey and we're off. I'll make this my last point, but, but they always go to like... Uh, my favourite thing is... They always go to a restaurant, you know, and they always showed the before. And it was always empty tables and everything. Mm. And then, and then when Ramsey's there for dinner service, it's fucking packed because yeah. they've heard Ramsey's there Ramsey's and they there. struggle. And then you, yeah, but they, they told you for three years they've not had anyone. Of course they're going to fucking struggle, mm. you utter twat. And, and also, because they only record in one go, they always get the person, so they always start off, and they always go, oh, my restaurant, it started off really well. Then it cuts to a scene that they must have shot the night before. They go, Thank you so much. Your meal was lovely. Mm. And then it goes, but things changed. And then you see the people in the exact same clothes. So it was the night before and it's empty. And they go, we've never had a customer in our lives. So you just think, I know it's fake, yeah. but at some point you're going to have to change them. <laughs> change was the it? shirts or something. I'm not that much of an idiot. But it's like when they show the kitchen, isn't it? And Ramsey's like, and the voiceover is like, and then I found this. 
and it shows you them pulling out like what's supposed to it's supposed to be lettuce but it's like it's a rat eating some form of jelly and, and it's just a and as a viewer I'm like don't fix it shut it shut it and arrest that man arrest the chef don't fuck. oh in, in three nights in three nights I can have you fucking cooking a parmesan chicken yeah. no shut it because he's not learned to do it in 12 fucking years do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. op- op- opens up a freezer and there's a pirate smoking. <laughs> it's just like, how long have you been in here? Who's that? Oh, yeah, Dave. Oh, he comes around this time every day for a fag. Shut the restaurant. <laughs> My The latest thing though with him is is he doesn't do reviews because I think all those shows have stopped. Is people now send him clips of their food and he does reaction just videos. TikToks but it. when did he become God of Food? Like someone yeah. could use his butter and he goes, you shouldn't use butter. Fuck you. <laughs> who, who made you God of Food? Yeah. I do what I want. I'm not forcing it. I'm not going around your kids' house. You'll fucking eat this, you mug. Also, if he's going to be a dick to people, when he does kids' shows, he's too nice. If you're going to be a dick, commit. Yeah. I want you to scream at children. <laughs> I see. Fill them in your bollocks. I see. Smash them in the face with it. I see this video of him with these kids on like Young Master Chef. Yeah. These kids and this kid's crying because she's done. You know, she's not. Yeah. And he, and he goes, "Hey, do you know, in my kitchen." No one leaves without a smile. And then it cuts to him with the adults going like, you're a fucking <laughs> He's one of the first personalities that if he wound it up with 30 stab words, you'd be like, yep, yep. <laughs> deserved. I, I tell you what, I do like it when he goes at a customer. I do like that when a customer comes up to the hot plate and you think, that has to be an actor because fuck off would you go up to Gordon Ramsay and be like, this is um, shit. Me scallops a bit rubbery. I'll give you fucking rubbery. <laughs> Yeah, eat a tyre. No, but I, I do, I, Mark appear what, I do like him. I like Jamie Oliver because I feel relaxed when I'm watching it. He makes me want to cook. Gordon Ramsay makes me never want to go in a kitchen. <laughs> he makes me want to... He makes into- me want to go apologise to me frying pan. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> makes me want to get life insurance. Yeah. Jamie Oliver makes me want to go to bed. <laughs> Just... I, like I missed, the, I missed the Harry Bakers, mate. Harry Bakers. Oh, that might have been it. Yeah, one of them's going through treatment at the minute. Isn't he? Oh, so, sad. No, yeah. I just, I just, they used to go find some awesome food. Yeah, but there's something I missed. Um, you're talking <laughs> the food. They're, 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 I like it. Like they turn up on a motorbike somewhere, and then they're cooking on a beach, like a load of like just putting a load of like clams and shit. And they're like, oh, put a stock cube in there. That's what I mean. They're, they're just they're so. Like you can get Gordon Ramsay's recipes, mm. like probably from his website. But the hairy bikers, mate, you just like it's just like question mark. Yeah, <laughs> just like how many how many units of Smith? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> question mark. Um, I was like, um, you know, ready, steady, cook. Mm. I, you right? Because Britain is so weird, and if you're listening outside of Britain, you basically get D-list celebrities. And you get them to bring in ingredients that they like, and you have a competition, and and the audience vote by holding up signs of green peppers or red peppers. And I was thinking, how the fuck do you export that to another country? Mm. Ready, steady, cook is Britain's it's such a British show. No one will ever top that in another country. Yeah, well, it's like can't cook, won't cook, isn't it? That was the other show AJ did. He did them both, didn't he? It was like the, you got a chef, a really good chef, with a oh, person who can't. Yeah, well, Ainsley Harriet is also a chef, TV chef that I've never seen cook. Oh well, he did. He did ready, steady, cook as well, didn't he? Oh, I thought he was the presenter. Yeah, Ainsley Harriet does a kids show as well. Where he teaches kids how to I cook. I like That's Ainsley Harriet. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, yeah. You fucking there you go. There's a charm. Mm, I like his couscous. Oh, I frequently purchase it. There you go. 
Um, so that's 20 minutes of chefs in an hour of films. <laughs> that's the podcast. <laughs> I just one more. You know Lloyd Grossman? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. right. So we know Lloyd Grossman because mm. he was a chef when we were a kid. But he he's still, his face is still used to sell pasta bolognese yeah. to people that have never heard of him. He's essentially Uncle Ben. <laughs> because if you're a kid, you go, who is that? Yeah. Like, like why, why is Lloyd Grossman so famous enough <laughs> yeah. that he sells his own sauce yeah. with his face? Yeah. <laughs> Which is a selling point. Kids nowadays are like, why is, why is Spider-Man's family yeah. selling rice? <laughs> they don't know, right? They don't know. <laughs> don't get me started on Aunt Bessie. Yeah. Oh, fucking hell. I, I could go on about food forever, so it really do end. I know, I'm quite hungry as well, though. <laughs> Talking about all these culinary experts, I'm going to put a frozen pizza in, in a minute. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, might have, a, might have a mayonnaise to dip the crust in. Ooh, uh, extra thick. Michelin star, this house. I do like cooking, though, to be fair. I, I'm not going to sell myself short. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm lukewarm at best at most things, but I do, I can, I, I do like cooking. Esther's the best cook. She's, she, mm. he, she's just fantastic, mate. She's, she, she's a wizard in that old kitchen. Mm. She's a good egg. With an egg? Did oh, you say with an egg? So she's a good egg. Oh, she's a good egg. Which is ironic because I don't like eggs. Is that irony? No, it's not, not like irony. eggs. Don't, you don't like an omelette? No. You don't like fried egg? No. Scrambled egg? No. That's all the eggs I know. <laughs> I thought, I, to be honest, I thought, I, co- I, I, thought, I thought I covered it with no. <laughs> when you ask any egg, I Here went, I'm no. like, oh, there must be an egg he likes. Cream egg? Ooh, maybe. <laughs> I, had a whole, I had a whole chat the other day with someone about, I was like, this is why I know, this is, this, is, this is why I know we're doomed as society because we haven't invented a yogurt yet that is just the inside of a cream egg. But at the same time, it's like the nuclear bomb. Because the person that does it, the person that does it will step back from the creation and go, I've, I had to do it, but I've also destroyed mankind. That's our show for this week. We'll see you later. Go. And good night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to end it. I'm going to. Ah, fucking hell. Good night. Good night.